you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Welcome to Move the Sticks. I'm Bucky Brooks. And today, unfortunately, I'm flying solo, but we will hear from my partner, Daniel Jeremiah, a little later. He is going to join LaDainia Tomlinson, and they're going to have an interview with Kenan Allen that you hear later in the pod. But I am going to talk about this Buda Baker extension. And I'm going to talk about it before we get to an interview that I did with Steve Mariucci. And the bill, I kind of want to bring up the Buda Baker thing, because I think we have had conversations about safety position, uh, the value of the safety position and stuff. And because you and I love to talk about personnel and stuff like that, um, I think it's important for you to just kind of outline what did the Arizona Cardinals do with Buda Baker? I saw they signed him to an extension, but give me the terms. So, so the terms are a four-year, $59 million extension. It's a 14.75 million average and it's $33.1 million guaranteed. Ooh, that's a lot of money, huh, Nabil? That's a lot of money. And I know um, safeties are valued differently by different organizations based on how they play in a scheme. But for Buda Baker to be the highest paid safety um, at 14.75 over Eddie Jackson and Kevin Byard and Tyron 
Matthew and Landon Collins, to me, it suggests what I think is a changing of the tide at the position. For so long, when we thought about safeties and the safeties get, get paid, we focused primarily on their ability to get the ball back, meaning their ability to get interceptions, uh, to create some kind of uh, takeaways for the defense. Buda Baker has zero career interceptions, yet he's the highest paid safety in the game. And I think what that speaks to is the changing nature of the position. Um, a month ago or a couple months ago, when we had the opportunity to interview Bill Polian, Bill Polian made reference to the safety position being one of the marquee positions on defense, which was a little bit of surprise because we've heard a lot of team builders talk about um, building their teams and they talk about corner over safety. But as Mr. Polian talked about, the safety position, controlling the middle of the field, being in the box, being able to blitz, being able to tackle these mobile quarterbacks when they get on the edge, running some of the zone read stuff, being able to do a lot of different things has really increased the value. So as an aspiring scout yourself, what do you think about when you think about Buda Baker and safeties that don't have turnovers being getting paid like that? So the main reason I thought that Buda Baker got paid that much was he had the most tackles in 2019 by any DB. He had 147 total tackles. So I went back and watched some film on him. I thought he was a very sound tackler. You know, they line him up all over. He's in the box a lot, but uh, he can also play center fielder. He ran a 4 4 5 at the combine, too. So he's listed at 5'10, but he plays a lot more physical than that. Um, he has great burst. He can get to the quarterback, but then he go, he's also really good against a run. He's really explosive. So, you know, I thought his closing speed was very good. So I think that that had a big part to do with, you know, why they paid him because they can also play him at nickel corner. He's really versatile. And, you know, I think he's going to fit really nice with Isaiah Simmons. You know, they have a young corner in Byron Murphy. They have Patrick Peterson still there. They have Jordan Hicks. They have a lot of different pieces that he meshes well with. You know, it's funny because you bring up something that I think is important because the Isaiah Simmons and Buda Baker pairing, is really important. Um, DJ and I have talked about the the trend of teams going to positionless players, particularly on defense, meaning that you have all of these hybrid players that can line up in a bunch of different spots. And as a defensive coordinator, your job is to kind of maybe designate the role each week. Buda Baker, maybe this week you're more of a nickel corner. The next week, maybe you're in the box. This week, we may need you more in the post. Those players there are coveted and valued at a premium. I think Buda Baker's payday signifies that. But I also think it opens up a lane for the guys like Jamal Adams, Derwin James, to now go to the top of the food chain when it comes to their paydays. And so I think Buda Baker made a lot of safeties very happy because he kind of reset the market as it relates to the guys that do most of their work in the box and may not be those center field safeties that we're used to seeing get paid. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, and I also wanted to ask you, what did you think of him when he was coming out of Washington? Did you see these similar things that, you know, you thought would translate to the league in 2017? You know, I, I liked him a lot. Like, he was very versatile. And if you go back and you look at the Huskies, the Huskies secondary, their defensive backfield has produced a lot of NFL players. Uh, from Marcus Peters, King, uh, Taylor Rapp, Buda Baker, those guys were well-schooled and well-coached under Jimmy Lake, who is now the head coach there. Going back to Buda Baker, I knew Buda Baker because, one, he showed up at the opening. Uh, he was a fantastic player. But, two, one of my teammates, former All-Pro cornerback, 
James Hasty. I think he coached Buda Baker in high school. I'm pretty sure he coached him in high school. And Hasty equipped him with a lot of tools very early in his career that we're now seeing. So his IQ, his aptitude, his ability to play a bunch of different spots, it's because he's been exposed to being able to play the game the right way at a very early age. I think this is a fascinating sign. It's one that I don't know if many of us saw it coming, but I think it speaks volumes to the changing role, the changing job description of safeties. And I think it validates what Jamal Adams and Derwin James are going to want to be paid based on what they do for their respective teams. I, I agree with you on that. And I, I even when I'm going and watching safeties now, I'm not necessarily labeling them as free safety or strong safety. I'm watching them as, okay, the, how can he play in the box? How can he play center field? How can he, you know, just be a overall piece to a defense? So that's something I, I look for too now. Yeah, no, no, having those guys that can can do a bunch of different things, being able to control the middle. Uh, most defensive coordinators would tell you the way that you're able to win consistently in the National Football League is you have to be strong down the middle. And so typically in old days, it meant got to be strong at my defensive tackle, strong at Mike linebacker and strong at free safety. That um, theory, that premise holds true in not only football, but in baseball. You think about catcher, pitcher, middle infielders, center, center fielders, uh, basketball. It used to be about the point guard and the center it's changed a little bit now, but um, that old theory still holds true. And I think Buda Baker's signing certainly says that, look, defensive coordinators understand and appreciate the value of having a marquee player. And so, Nabil, we talk about safeties being the quarterback of the defense. Um, joining us on the program, we have an opportunity to talk to Steve Mariucci. And part of why we wanted to talk to him is he is so experienced in dealing with quarterbacks. And he – has taken that experience and really has success as a head coach, but also being one of the best, what I call educators when it comes to the position. Um, so let's listen in to the conversation that I had with Steve Mariucci. All right. Now this is one of the favorite um, interviews that I'm going to do. Cause I get to interview one of my former coaches, even though I was a little minion when we were together with the green Bay Packers, I was down there kind of working with the practice guys and all of that. But Steve Mariucci, um, Mooch. Bucky, we are all minions. We are all <laughs> minions together. That was a fun time when we were still cutting our teeth. Uh, coach, like, to think about that, to think about that coaching staff, the one that you were on, John Gruden, Andy Reid, uh, you were there when Dick Duran and Ray Rose and all those guys were there. Um, before we start, just just talk about that that crucible of talent, coaching talent, and what you guys learn from one another and what you ultimately learn from Coach Holmgren. We didn't know we were telling. We just were young kids that were just happy to get a job in the NFL. It was like, oh, my God, where are we? I, uh, oh. I remember the first night we got we got hired, and there were some, like, courtesy cars waiting for for us at the at the uh, hotel. And it was cold, and, and uh, somebody just dropped off the cars for us, and the keys were in the car, and the cars had their heaters on just so they'd be nice and warm for us. And they were probably sitting there for two hours getting warm for us with the keys in them. That's Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the first time I met Andy Reid? We Did you stay at the Midway Motor Lodge? That was <laughs> Yeah, the Midway. That's where everyone stayed, Coach. That's where we all stayed at. Yeah, so, so we, were, uh, we were both there uh, just kind of coming in and uh, – and uh, we had our wives with us because it was a house hunting trip. I didn't know he was there. He didn't know I was there, but we knew we, we got hired. But 
All of a sudden, at the Midway Motor Lodge, the uh, fire alarms start going off. It's like, ah, like at midnight. It's like January midnight. It's like, oh, you just got to I hope it's not a fire. It's probably not. But you just wait for that alarm to go off. Anyway, it wouldn't go off. So I eventually I stuck my head out the door and looked down the hall. There's this big red head coming out of another door looking at me. And he goes, Mariucci. I went, Reed. He goes, yeah, how you doing? We went out and shook hands with, uh, we had our underwear on. In the middle <laughs> That's how we first met. Said, hey, my wife's here too. Your wife, hey, let's have a, let's have a meet and greet. And so, that's how we first met with a fire alarm in our underwear. Coach, that's a, that's a great story. And I've heard you tell great stories about being um, in those offices with Gruden and Andy Reid. And um, we all know when you, you deal with Coach Holmgren, Coach Holmgren loves quarterbacks. And I think it's a common denominator that all of you guys were able to go on and develop quarterbacks. What's the secret sauce? to developing quarterbacks, whether they're young or old. Find a quarterback that's got some talent. <laughs> and I had the dubious distinction of coaching Brett Favre and the quarterback. And, and, and Mike Holmgren, Bucky, as you know, had come from San Francisco, and he only had Steve Young and Joe Montana, so he was not spoiled and ex- with high expectations. <laughs> he didn't care if it was Brett or TJ Rubley or whoever was playing, they better be great or, or the, your quarterback coach's butt is, is in trouble. And so uh, I got yelled at more than any, any 10 coaches on that staff combined. Um, but he expected, he expected those guys to be Steve Young and Joe Montana, like tomorrow. And so, um, you know, and Brett Favre was, if he were a horse, he'd be like a, Buck, bunking Bronco, Bucking Bronco. He's like a wild guy. I mean, you know him when he came f- from the Atlanta. He redshirted in Atlanta, right? Through five passes. But he was just this tough, funny, uh, fearless kind of gunslinger, as you know. And he was not going to be Joe Montana. He was not going to be a pretty guy where you'd film him and then you'd, you'd do training tapes because he would do some things crazy. But anyway, Mike Holmgren would uh, – would make sure that somehow, some way, with their skill sets, they would be productive. And, and uh, of course, he did that with Brett and a lot of others. You know, Coach, so you, you talk about that. Like, so you can talk about Coach Holmgren being spoiled, but uh, you were kind of spoiled, too, with the quarterbacks that you touched. You talk about Brett Favre, and then you go to San Francisco, and you have Steve Young. Talk about that experience, because Steve Young was a pretty decorated player already. You go in there. What was yeah. the challenge of – coaching someone that already has some notable accomplishments on his resume. Yes. Good point. Because um, they have, I got in trouble too. When I was a, a, a young coach at San Francisco, a young head coach, they asked, somebody asked me to compare the two, just like you just did, Buck. And <clears throat> I made the mistake of saying, I tried to compliment both guys. Cause I love both guys. All right. I got a picture. Will you, will I show you that picture right there? Anyway. Um, I said, Favre's the toughest guy in the world, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Steve Young's the smartest guy. Uh, so then, you know, one guy goes, what? I'm not smart. One other guy goes, what? I'm not tough. And so it's like you can't win, right? But they were different human beings, different skill sets. One was right-handed. One was left-handed, right? One was from Mississippi and one was from Connecticut. And uh, <clears throat> But they were both tough as nails physically and mentally that's that's the thing because there's a lot of different ways to play quarterback in this league um they're all a little different but uh similarities uh were that they just were driven they're driven to be great and uh Favre was I'm sorry Steve Favre was funnier than you were you're not a funny guy at all but Favre's (laughs) crazy 
And and Steve was the studious kind of guy that would just be, you know, he'd get butterflies before games. I'd have to settle down, will you? And uh, but they had their own approach, and it was, it was fun. So, so coach, you, you mentioned something that I don't think many people understand the challenges or differences between coaching a right-handed quarterback like you had in Favre and then coaching a left-handed quarterback. When you're the head coach and the play caller, what's different about coaching a left-handed quarterback? Yeah, that's um, I don't know. I don't know if it if I've been blessed or cursed with uh, lefties around me. Okay, I don't know. <clears throat> my wife's left-handed. My mom's left-handed. My daughter's left-handed. My brother's left-handed. Everybody's left-handed. I thought <clears throat> there'd be fifty percent of the world left-handed, right-handed. Doesn't that make sense genetically? <laughs> no. And then same with quarterbacks. We haven't had a guy in the league play left-handed quarterback in years. It's like, where are all the lefties going? I had Steve Young, and then I had Mark Brunell over there in Green Bay when we were together. And it is a challenge. In fact, one, one, uh, one year after the, uh, the season was over, I told Steve, I said, listen, I want you to work on going right-handed this offseason, okay? So I don't, have to, I don't have to flip every play over just for you. And, and if your backup is left-handed, like, like Brunell was, okay? You remember when Favre was starting, and then we had two backups. We had Ty Dittmer and Mark Brunell. Loved them both. I mean, loved these guys. And and we couldn't decide who should be the backup and who should be the third guy who's uh, who's inactive. So what we did, we alternated. (laughs) Just to keep them both happy, we alternated. But that messes you up because when you're on the goal line, you don't run past 64, you corner uh, quarterback, you know, one way, and then you got to practice the other way. For, for the left-handers, that you do sprint right option, sprint left option. You know, you got to flip your play action and movements, and that's a third of your package, maybe more. And, and you, you simply have to flip them over right and left if, if you're right-handed or left-handed. So um, it, it creates a little bit of a practice issue and for everybody, not just for the quarterback. And so, you know, the, the ball spins different. It's different for the receiver. It's just like a left-footed punter. Left-footed punters are hard to catch. Yeah, you ever returned punts? Yeah. You yeah. did. Yeah, and the ball spins wrong, and so same with a quarterback throwing left hand. The ball spins just the opposite way. It, coach, it's, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because from a play calling perspective, like I don't know if people really understand that because most play callers are right handed because you're a quarterback or right handed, mm-hmm. meaning you run the ball primarily to the right. Your primary pass catchers may be on the right, depending on how you set your formations. Now with the lefty. You have to completely flip that. So in your preparation process, like how much how how much does that linger? How much does that play into how you build out your game plan and those things with a left hander? Absolutely. It's 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 your game plan. It's your it's it like I said though, it's it's not as much in the drop back passing game. All right. When you go straight back, you ought to be able to throw front side or backside, whether you're right-handed or left-handed, right? But it's the play action game and it's the movement and keep game. We, like I mentioned, sprint right option. That's the, the, the famous play that Joe Montana hit Dwight Clark in the back of the end zone to beat the Cowboys, all right? Jerry Rice scored 33 touchdowns on sprint right option, okay? And Favre threw him one in the Pro Bowl. But you would only throw that to the right with Brett Favre, and you would only throw it to the left with Steve, except one time Brett Favre audibled to Q9, Q9, and Mike Holmgren <laughs> going left. He yelled at me for about a half of that game because we never practiced that, but he just did it against the Broncos. It's like, Brett, what are you doing? 
I don't know. And so um, that's that's where the big difference is in game planning is is your play action movements and keeps. You gotta you gotta yeah. It'd be great that everybody can go right and left equally. That's not the case though. No, it's not the case. So it's funny you talk about those quarterbacks. And uh, you had Brett when he was young. And so Co- coach, now that we're dealing with a, a different off season, a different training camp because of the pandemic, you haven't had the full off season to work. How challenging would it be to develop a young quarterback, a rookie oh. quarterback in, in situations like this? You know, I feel bad for Zach Taylor over there at the Bengals because they've committed to Joe Burrow, right? They have a young pitching staff. They're all young. So it's just pick your poison. They're all, they're all kids. Right. And so you got to choose one of them. So Joe is, is trying to play catch up and learn their offense and learn about pro defenses on the run without any mini camps or any OTAs. We used to have quarterback school in March. Players don't even think about football in March these days. The quarterbacks were in for a full month before anybody else, going over everything. And the offseason has been condensed, even if we weren't in a pandemic. But, but now the pandemic has wiped out, I don't want to say all of it, because they did some good stuff on the Zoom calls. They really did. They figured out a way to teach, like universities and schools have to figure out a way to teach. Is it perfect? No, but it's pretty good. But the, the thing you miss is on the field. This is a sport. It's a contact sport that requires you to be on the grass and throw and run and, and rhythm up in the passing game with your teammates. That was eliminated for the most part. But guys like Tua and guys like Justin Herbert, Jordan Love's going to watch for a while. But um, they have the benefit of saying, okay, I don't have any pressure on me right now to start day one. I can watch. I can see how this works. I can see how we prepare. And and even though they were good in college, it's different. You know that. It's just different. Um, so, it, it you know, Joe Burrow has got a lot of pressure on him to play well early. Really, I don't want to say uh, underprepared, but I'm going to say underprepared. He's not going to be as good in September as he is in November. Yeah, it's funny, um, Coach, because you talk about Joe Burrow and some of the things that the Bengals have talked about is maybe meeting him halfway by using their playbook. Um, in Green Bay, going back to our time together with Mike Holmgren and what you learned from him, I just remember Coach Holmgren always talking about he wanted a quarterback who had athleticism. Well, now in today's game, we're seeing more of these college quarterbacks that are great athletes at the position. Um, based on your experience, how would you change or would you change at all if you had one of these young guys like a Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson when it comes to developing them as quarterbacks? Hey, Buck. You know what Mooch did when he played? He ran the wishbone in high school. and ran the Houston beer. I'm an option guy. I love option football. All right. So I, if I would have had Steve Young at age 28 and not 38, I would have had a lot of zone read stuff too. Because I, I think it's not only fascinating and fun, it's so hard to stop and defend, especially when teams don't see it every week. Okay. So, yeah, these new athletic quarterbacks, that's why the Patriots took Cam Newton, because he adds another dimension. You know, he's replacing a, a six-time Super Bowl winner in Tom Brady, but he played from the pocket, played pretty darn well. But now Cam has got all this other stuff that teams will have to defend. It's going to keep defensive coordinators up, up all night, trying to figure out how in the world do I play 
cover two man. I can't because that guy's going to start running down the field and he's 250 pounds. I can't tackle him. And so, you know, the Lamar Jackson, he might be the hardest guy to tackle in the whole league in the open field. So that adds a real fun dimension. It's college dimension. I, I would love it. Now, with that said, with that said, these guys, they're hard to find and they are very valuable. So if they get hurt, you mind you're running a risk. I would definitely have my whole, I called it a pitching staff earlier, my, my whole quarterback room like kind. I mean, if, the, mm-hmm. if they're all, if they're, if one's athletic, I don't want to Joe Flacco as the backup because that's a whole different offense, isn't it? I want to, if, if Lamar Jackson gets hurt, I want, you know, whether it's RG3 or whoever that is to be able to run the same offense, you know, and, and we're committed to that offense because they're going to get hurt. Cam eventually got hurt. He had the most hits in the league in his first six years and eventually got hurt. But uh, that's the risk. You're, you're going to pay a guy 20, $30 million a year and you got to decide how much do I want to bang this guy up? You know, it's, um, it is interesting because when you look at Baltimore, Baltimore has taken your advice and kind of followed that because RG3 is the backup. Trace McSorley is the three. All of them are athletic enough to do the things that they run on offense. I, I think it's funny that we're now talking about the shotgun and we see the shotgun. It's the predominant offense of choice throughout the league. But when we were in Green Bay together, Coach Holmgren hated the shotgun. I was there when we finally convinced him to put it in because Brett wanted to be able to run it in two well, minutes. Um, why, well, you know what, they, why, why did he hate it so much? Why was it such a problem back well, then? Well, because they tried it with Joe Montana in practice and the ball went over his head <laughs> and it, it was out. Okay. Steve Young never went in shotgun. Okay. Never zero in shotgun, not in two minute, not in any minute. Okay. So when we went to, when we went to green Bay, the league was only going in shotgun in a two-minute drill, right? And pa- a definite passing situation. Brett didn't go into shotgun for his first eight years, right? I mean, he was he was the MVP of the league before he went in the shotgun. <laughs> now he told me, I said, "Far, why'd you go to shotgun?" It was after I left, way after I left. Yeah, you know, because because I went to San Francisco and Steve never went shotgun. It wasn't until Jeff Garcia started. He wanted to be in shotgun. Okay, fine. You're anyway. Brett said. I had to get away from Sap because that Tampa that Tampa defense was really good. Remember, remember yeah. he and Sap were always fighting and chawing at each other, and they had a great yeah. mutual respect. But he says, "I got to get away from that guy. I got to back up a little bit. Just give me another, just give me another tick with the ball, so I can get rid of it. So he can, yeah, he's going to hit me, but I want to get the ball out. And uh, so I think in year eight, Brett started going a little bit of shotgun. Now the league is over sixty percent shotgun right now, which is like what? It's um, you evaluate, you know, for the draft, you evaluate these kids coming out of high school and college. They're not in I formation. They're not in split backs. They're in a one back set. They're either in pistol or they're standing right next to the quarterback in shotgun. And their run game uh, repertoire is very limited. They don't mm-hmm. run power and counter and lead, you know, all those things. They run, a, they run a, you know, little trap and a little one back power and that's it. You know, given, given that, because in the evaluation process, a lot of the conversation is always, A, they've been in shotgun. Guys haven't been under center. I have to teach him. How hard is it to teach a quarterback who has spent most of his uh, playing days in the shotgun to go up on the center and to play what I call a traditional quarterback? Yeah. Uh, it's like anything else. You got to practice it. You know, I mean, even even back then when we were under center, every single snap, quarterbacks and centers were out early taking snaps from center just so you didn't drop one. Right. 
and stop the practice and get yelled at. Um, and then now you're getting guys who have never done it before. Um, even growing up in the, in the Pop Warner leagues, I coached the uh, Under Armour All-American high school game, and we had to literally throw away going under the center. It, it's not like the Pro Bowl. It's like, all right, we're going to run two formations, and it's going to be all shotgun. We're never going to, even in speak, <laughs> we're not going under there because you're going to fumble the snap because the center never snapped one either. And so it's just becoming a shotgun kind of a game, and uh, which is fortunate or unfortunate. It, it's, the game's changed, Buck. It just really has. And, you know, the NFL takes what's coming to us. It, it's take, you know, we draft who's available. And these kids coming out of these programs have been doing this all of their life. So we're becoming a little more and more like the colleges and a little more like the high schools. It's funny that you say that, because then when I look at the teams that are having the most success when it comes to running the football and sometimes creating explosive plays, the San Francisco 49ers, the Minnesota Vikings, teams that are running what they would say is the Shanahan system. What you and I would say is, oh, that's things that we used to do uh, in Green Bay why is it that those teams that are kind of playing what I call old school football with the outside zone under center play action, why does it seem like they have advantages in terms of creating good plays? Yeah. I, um, and the Rams like to run the ball and play action pass. And, and so I'm, I'm just hoping that that stays in the, in our league because half the teams, Buck don't even have a fullback. A fullback is like a dinosaur. It's like it, it, they're gone. I mean, where'd they go? And so some teams are taking defensive linemen, and you just play fullback here and block that guy. Um, so it, you're right. There's a certain kind of old-school mindset that we say, hey, let's be physical and let, not just fool them. Let's just smash them out them. Let's just run them over. Let's help our defense by controlling the clock. You know, those kinds of things. There's a lot of good that comes from – the other thing is when you have – I know this in college too – when you have a good hard-nosed physical offense, your defense gets hardened and gets better by practicing against it and spring ball and everything. You're better able to stop that kind of a, a, an offense when you when you face it. David Shaw has had all kinds of success, you know, running the football over there at Stanford because he's he's old school that way. And uh, in Seattle, and there's just some teams that just are committed that way. Some are, you know, Cliff Kingsbury over there. He brought that Texas Tech offense over there with Kyler Murray and they're going to run college stuff. You know what? God bless him. And, and, and he's doing a good job, but uh, some teams are going to say, Hey, I want to full back and I want to block you. And I want to, I want to make a statement. <laughs> I love that. All right. Coach. So you brought me to my last question. You kind of brought it, you teed it up for me with Cliff Kingsbury. Um, the reports out of Arizona, he's talking about playing with more tempo in practice, more tempo, potentially in games, given the shortened preseason, is it advantageous to maybe think about playing a little faster? Do you think you can create um, big play opportunities on offense by really playing fast early in the season, given the pandemic? You know, that sounds like a Chip Kelly offense. Remember that tempo stuff? They had no huddle, ba-boom, ba-boom, go fast. And don't let your defense kind of make all their fancy calls and all these exotic blitzes and coverages. And there, there was even some teams that were saying, we're not going to huddle. We're not going to huddle in practice because we don't want to breathe on each other. And so we're just going to go, we're just going to go fast tempo, no huddle. Um, you get more plays in, in a practice, right? You get more plays in, in a game, you kind of minimize what defensive calls can be made when you're, when you're going over the ball quickly. Um, so there's some, there's some good to it. Um, 
I've always liked the huddle. I always liked the quarterback looking his guys in the eyes and telling them, <laughs> let's get out of bounds now. We got to save a timeout. And yeah, you know, that kind of thing. When you, <laughs> that's, that's another thing that we've learned with these co- college quarterbacks coming up, Buck. Some of them have never been in a huddle. They always look at the sideline and go, oh, yeah, thanks for the play. And then everybody runs it. And they've never developed any leadership skills, like telling their team, let's go. And, and you know, reminding their guys, all right, we can't, we can't any penalties. Got to hang on to the ball. You know, I'll, I'll keep the clock running. Whatever that is, um, they have to learn it on the run. Um, so let, let's just enjoy the game where it's headed. It's headed in shotgun college-like. And let's also enjoy those old school Smash Mouth teams that are still around and having really good success. Well, one thing that I know is I always enjoy having a conversation with you, whether it's on the podcast or when we meet in the locker room. It's always great. It's always enlightening. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Mooch. All right, Bucky. Thanks for having me on. All right. Have a great day. <laughs> well, there you have it. Um, I rarely get opportunities to talk to Mooch about uh, football-related things, but I think his perspective is fascinating. I think what he talked about with um, quarterbacks and young quarterbacks and Joe Burrow not having an offseason and how do you get someone ready to play who is going to be underprepared, I think that is going to be the theme of the early part of the season. Joe Burrow, some of these young quarterbacks that are being asked to play, even a Cam Newton being asked to potentially start how are these guys going to be able to get ready quickly to transition into being starting quarterbacks when you don't have that? It is something that we certainly should look for early in the season to see how these guys respond to not being able to have um, a full preseason or full offseason of work. But we also will have more about Mooch's conversation when we discuss left-handed quarterbacks on a future audio podcast and video content with guests like Michael Vick, Chris Collinsworth, and Mark Brunel. It is really a deep dive into the left-handers at the position and how it impacts all of those around them that are playing with left-handed quarterbacks. And it can't be an official Move the Sticks podcast without Move the Sticks, Daniel Jeremiah. So DJ and LT, Hall of Famer LaDainian Thompson, had a chance to talk to Keenan Allen, Chargers Pro Bowl wide receiver, on a recent Inside Training Camp Live. It's great to be with you, Keenan. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, first question from me. This is season number eight, but this is an off-season unlike any you've had in your NFL career. How, how, do you, how does the body feel right now? Uh, it actually feels a lot better than, than usual. Um, just a little bit more time we've had in training camp. Um, just not being able to go, go as hard as we used to just because, because of the time we want to keep away from each other. So um, I think it allows you to get off your feet more and um, you know just help the body. Hey, Kenny, we just saw a clip on, uh, from Hard Knocks of Derwin James uh, covering you or trying to cover you. I'm sure that's been, it's been like that the entire training camp, especially with, with this defensive secondary that you guys have. You brought over Chris Harris Jr. Um, to go with Casey Hayward and those guys at the safety position, as I just mentioned. Man, how is it like going against this secondary every day? Oh, the secondary is amazing, man. And um, what helps him out so much is – the guys on the uh, defensive line picking up Limbaugh, Limbaugh Joseph has just been amazing. They're just wrecking, wrecking practice pretty much damn near every period. And, uh, you know, the secondary is just going to feed off of that and make plays. That's what they do to Jack boys. Ball get up in the air and it's all there. So the boys going to be good. 
Keenan, you caught 524 balls in your career, which is a crazy number. And 520 of those have come from Phillip Rivers. So uh, things are a little bit different now with the Chargers. What, what, what has it been like with you trying to get, get on the same page here with Tyrod? Uh, it hasn't been bad. Uh, all offseason, we, we was working, um, you know, for just finding fields, finding places we can go just to get catches in, run routes. So the chemistry's been building, and um, I think we've been on a good start uh, just so far in training camp. Um, you know, so hopefully we can just keep it going on right on right on into the season. Yeah, but you, you didn't have major production every single year that, that you have been on the field. And you've done it all kinds of ways from the outside, from the inside. It really doesn't matter. You're slaying people out there. Now, with that said, Keenan, um, I know you lost Travis Benjamin, who played a lot in the slot at times. Is there anybody in camp right now that's emerging uh, for, to help you inside the slot? We know what you have outside, but inside, is there anybody emerging to help you out? Yeah, I think so. Um, the first K.J. Hills came in, and he's been amazing. Uh, his, his route running, you can just tell he, he's been with a um, – a very elevated college team. Uh, they had Brian Hartline as a receiver coach. So just his techniques and his, his thought process is already, you know, there. And um, Darius Jennings, we brought over from the Titans. He's been running the slot as well uh, with the tools. So he's been looking pretty good too. And he's, you know, he's got the speed. So, Yeah, K.J. Hill was a phenomenal route runner there at Ohio State, Keenan. I'm just curious, though, as a rookie, you got some other rookies there. I know you like your lemon cake, man. Are, there, are these rookies taking care of you and bringing you your snacks properly and giving you what you need, man? Yeah, yeah, no, we haven't even got on them yet due to COVID, so we go let it ride all the way by another week, week and a half, and then we need major snacks. So many snacks that we need in the room. Well, well who's, the, who's the best rookie in terms of doing what you guys are telling them to do? Who's going to be that guy that every week has to bring the snacks that's going to do the right job. Oh, it's definitely going to be KJ. You know, we got to stay on him early. Get on KJ early, just work on his techniques. You know, we need we need this right here, this right here. Set it up real nice for us so we ain't got to go searching and looking through the piles of stuff. Just put everything in categorized sections. So should be good. <laughs> hey, Keenan, when, when we talk to people around the league, and shoot, when I talk to guys because they're coming into the draft, I ask them who they're studying for route running. Your name comes up all the time. Uh, you've got a reputation as the best route runner in the National Football League. But who do you look at? Who do you, who do you like to study when you get some time there in the offseason that, that, that you can appreciate? Oh, absolutely. Um, Devontae Adams, number one. Um, I like Amari Cooper. I watch him a lot. Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, um, Cole Beasley, uh, Julian Edelman in the slot. Uh, I got so many guys. Uh, you know, I used to watch, um, like, earlier early on in my career, Brandon Lloyd, uh, phenomenal technique, mm -hmm. uh, releases, stuff like that. Stevie Johnson, obviously, is my guy. And, um, yeah, pretty much those guys. Hey, Keenan, a lot has been made about Tyrod Taylor's ability to throw the ball down the field. And a lot of people, you know, say that he's more conservative, obviously more conservative than Phillip. Um, but I believe Tyrod can throw the ball down the field. So tell me, will he be stretching the ball down the field a lot more? Because you guys definitely have the weapons to go down the field. Absolutely, man. Um, me, me, honestly, I think that's his best ball, the deep ball. Um, his go route is just on, on money every time. Makes me look like I'm fast when he throws me a go ball. So I think that's his best ball. And, um <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's, he's a few turnover guy. He doesn't like to turn the ball over, which is not a problem, especially when he can run and, and get yards by himself. So, 
hopefully he can just, you know, stay consistent and make his plays. Well, I just want to, you know, because as a player in that division, the AFC West, when you see the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl and you guys have, have gave them fits um, since you've been there, how does that make you feel when you know you guys are a team that can beat them? Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, I feel like we in the game all the time. Um, feel like we should beat them every time. And um, I don't know. I just think it comes down to little turnovers, little mistakes uh, during crucial points in time. Um, it seems like every year something on special teams happens um, that shouldn't happen. And um, offense, we, we do a turnover or something like that. But, um, you know, I think if we just, you know, stay consistent and make our plays and don't shoot ourselves in the foot and, um, you know, be that championship team that they were, then we should be good. Our right, last question for me, Keenan, is a two-parter here. I don't remember what, what kind of success Cal had against Oregon when you were there, so you have to refresh me <laughs> on that, and then give me your scouting report on your new quarterback from Oregon. <laughs> well, I don't think we had any success, you know, when I was there. <laughs> we didn't beat him at all. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was a whole other story. But uh, he looks very well, man, very well polished. Big guy, can throw the ball down the field, can pretty much make any throw you want him to. Like I say, uh, oh, his knowledge for the game as well. Um, just uh, he's just trying to pick up the speeds and um, and, the, and the angles of everything, and um, that'll come uh, with repetition and um, trial and error. Obviously, that's 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 one of my best ways of learning trial and error. And um, you know, he'll he'll fit in well with us. Interesting conversation. You have to love it. Like if if you want Chargers. Information, it doesn't get better than DJ and LT being able to talk to one of the best players on the team in Keenan Allen. And out of that discussion, look, I have to be intrigued by Justin Herbert. Uh, Justin Herbert, uh, they took early in the first round. What has his uh, development been like? How is he going to play? I think it's interesting to watch him and to watch what he's going to be, even though we've heard that Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starting quarterback. We'll see how long the Chargers stick with that premise inspired by ongoing conversation with players the nfl launched nfl votes to empower and improve our communities through exercising the right to vote join the nfl family by registering to vote today and make your voice heard this november visit nfl.com votes to learn more all right before before we go nabil i gotta bring you back because i know you're one of hard knocks biggest fans what was your take on the episode this week well, you know, there's not many chances you get to see, you know, football right now with, with training camps and everything. And I'm, I'm a big training camp guy, so I'm eating it up. You know, I just love everything, everything training camp related. Yeah, no, I, I thought what was great about uh, this week was, man, we got a chance to see SoFi Stadium. Man, that stadium looks amazing. The way the Rams were able to go in there and kind of have, I guess, like a little mock run through game where they were going through the simulations, going on and off the field, making sure they did the, the halftime stuff. I think that stadium, even without the fans, man, it is a sight to behold. And so um, just a really, really interesting part of it. And then on the other side, just the Chargers, the Chargers ramping up the play, Melvin Ingram kind of getting things done in his contract that enabled him to get back on the field, watching the way Anthony Lynn is able to run this team, Uh, contrasting coaching styles between Sean McVay and Anthony Lynn. But I would say both are very effective and, I think the thing about uh, both guys, they're really sticklers for details. Anthony Lynn, even taking a guy that we brought on the program, Keenan Allen, talking about his blocking skills and how it really sets the tone 
for the offense. Um, I think that's something I think it speaks volumes about the high standards that both of these coaches, particularly Anthony Lynn, has for this team. Check out the Hard Knocks podcast hosted by Peter Schrager. Also, a new episode of Hard Knocks, the TV show, airs every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern on HBO. So, look, man, that was it. Nabil, I appreciate you filling in for DJ. Um, you're not quite my partner, but you did a good job as a sub. I don't know if you ever replaced Rhett as a PBU, but maybe, maybe just maybe we'll give you more reps and maybe you can kind of take that from Rhett. Uh, but look, thanks for listening to Move the Six. We'll check you out next time. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.